Welcome back, ATO family, for our 11th message from the host. Today we're sitting down with the COO of Pro Players Foundation. This amazing organization's mission is dedicated to enrich the lives of children in need across North Texas. Through our projects and programs, Pro Players benefits children who are underserved, victims of catastrophic illness or injury, victims of abuse, sex trafficking, as well as physically and mentally challenged children. Welcome on today's guest, Rebecca Leppard. Rebecca, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, before we uh, get into her story and her organization, I want to welcome on my partner, Sergeant Kent Wolverton, K-9 Angela Arandondo, you've heard her before, and also Sergeant Andrea Ship. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Rebecca, um, I want you to tell the listeners about Pro Players Foundation and and what your mission is and and how we cross paths. Thank you again for having me. And before I say anything else, I just want to thank um, all those who are in the public and the nonprofit sector. Um, I know that as what I personally believe, and I'm sure a lot of those who are in the public service and nonprofit sector, we believe that um, service is a noble calling and that we usually have to step up and step into a place um, where people are being underserved or there are gaps that are needing to be filled um, to help those in our community. So thank you so much, uh, especially those who are um, here around this table. I appreciate all that you do for the community. So Pro Players Foundation is a nonprofit organization. Um, Like you said, our mission is to help children in need across North Texas. And that is very purposefully vague because we believe that no child, no matter the circumstance, should ever be left out of receiving help. Um, It started about 17 years ago now. Um, with a single beneficiary golf tournament um, in the South Lake area, which is sort of the North Mid-Cities area here in Dallas-Fort Worth. And it was benefiting the children of a local police officer in South Lake who was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And the golf tournament was to raise funds for those children to be able to go to college one day. Unfortunately, um, the officer passed away shortly after the tournament, um, but the fund was still very much um, alive and well for those kids when they got older. Every year after that, for the first four years, Pro Players Foundation picked a family in need in that community, whether it was because of a very catastrophic diagnosis, um, like the police officer's family, or um, maybe something happened to them where they came on hard economic times and they just needed some financial assistance. And through the amazing volunteers in that community and where we get our name from, some of the former professional athletes um, that live in that area, Pro Players Foundation was born into an official 501c3. They had incredible resources and connections and thought they could do way more than just one family a year, never forgetting where we started and where we came from, but absolutely knowing that we could help more kids um, than just uh, you know a handful a year. So Pro Players Foundation has grown to include four programs now and our mission, you know, helping kids in need across North Texas um, has started to even stretch bounds geographically as we serve some areas outside of the traditional DFW area. 
though that is definitely growing as well. Um, and uh, we couldn't be happier to be able to serve other nonprofits and their kids, which is mainly how we are able to reach and impact those kinds of lives. Um, and I know you had a second half of that question. <laughs> no, it, I, being in the nonprofit world, which the ATO is, and um, you, people don't realize how much work it takes to get a, an event up and going. And there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes on, the prep work and even the, uh, the post work, taking things down, setting it up making it go smoothly you know nothing ever goes smoothly when you're running these um i do want to ask you how did you what is your background in nonprofit? how did you get involved in nonprofit, and and what's your experience with that so my background started in college um, i actually have a master's of public service and administration um, with a focus in public and nonprofit management that i received from the george hw bush school of government and public service at AM. And to be honest, I, I went into that program with a focus of wanting to advocate for people, wanting to help those in the community, but not really understanding and not really sure where I wanted to go with that. And no one had ever spoke to me about how nonprofits and nonprofit organizations could be a career. And I think that that is still um, a very widely thought or, or um, known concept that maybe nonprofit organizations um, may or may not be a full-time career. Um, I know I still have people who ask me if I get paid for what I do, <laughs> which would be nice if, if we could all, you know, I know we all volunteer our time, um, but I graduated um, with my master's and experience in interning with Pro Players Foundation, actually. And they were um, in the right place and right time to be able to hire uh, someone else on board. Um, and today I am the chief operating officer there. How long have you held that position? For almost five years. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's yes. okay. Yes. And we have expanded pretty greatly um, in the last five years. And we went from having about 12, 13 community projects a year to now we average between 18 to 22 projects a year. Um, including two major fundraising events. Um, next year, we'll go up to, I think, three fundraising events. Um, and every single thing that we do at Pro Players Foundation is always with the kids and the community in mind and making those connections to other nonprofit organizations that help kids and saying, what can we do? How can we help? Um, is there a way that we can you know, raise more funds or you know, find more dollars to be able to help your programming, to be able to help through what we do at Pro Players Foundation, which is really centered around the sports and education facilities and um, dire need items? Yeah, that's why I invited Angela and, and Sergeant Ship over here to, to kind of talk about what they do and, and how, you know, this is kind of like a, this is the first time y'all have met, so it is a introduction, but we're kind of doing it on air too. So, yeah, I, I am always happy to meet more people in the nonprofit sector, more people that serve kids in, in any sort of capacity that are willing to and wanting to uplift those kids who may be in certain situations or are or wanting to see a better future for their lives. We are all about that. Well, I really uh, was touched by the the story of the creation of this foundation because I, I did not know that. I didn't know that there was a, a first responder uh, tie-in uh, to its inception mm -hmm. nice yes and we you know that that was uh, quite a while ago uh, for me um, about 17 18 years ago now um, and 
for the listeners, I'm a little bit young uh, at the table. And so 17, 18 years ago, um, was still in, in grade school there. Um, so it was definitely a, a start to the organization that I think we are all very proud of, um, that we were able to do something for somebody who serves the community, um, just like um, all the first responders, local first responders today um, do. And so we you know, we couldn't be happier. Yeah. Uh, Betsy Orton of the Dickies Foundation, she's mm-hmm. the one, she's a friend of mine and, and I'm, uh, been a friend of the Dickies for a while and very grateful for their uh, partnership. They uh, they do a lot for the Sissy Officer and also for mm-hmm. the DPA. Uh, she said that you, y'all were interested in getting a relationship and, and, and seeing how you could help with, with the police officers of uh, mm-hmm. Dallas and mm-hmm. uh, the first responders. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? I mean, what what brought that on uh, for you to reach out and and where did this come from? Sure, that is a, sort of a two pronged question for me because I have a, a very personal relationship, and then um, for a, as a nonprofit organization, you know, when we say kids in need, uh, we mean a kid that needs assistance no matter what the circumstances. And I think a lot of times we think of children who are socioeconomically disadvantaged or um, disadvantaged because of mental or physical disabilities, or they've been through something catastrophic. And I think we forget about on the day-to-day basis what a child might go through um, with a parent who is either a first responder or active military or uh, a veteran. And, you know, not saying that I personally understand that my parents were not first responders or um, in the military, um, but from relationships with friends and family, um, I understand that that can sometimes, you know, take a toll um, on just the kids, you know, understanding what their parents are going through and um, making them feel comfortable uh, with the kind of lifestyle that they have. And I want to make sure that those kids are taken care of underneath the Pro Players Foundation wing. And so we created an initiative this year. It's brand new to us. Um, we call them Hero Teams. And at our fundraising events, uh, the Sporting Clays Challenge coming up on June 16th at the Dallas Gun Club, and then our uh, golf tournament that we host every year in the fall. A sponsor can pay for a team where we invite local first responders, active military, or veterans to come play for free um, at the tournament, uh, be recognized for what they do in the community, and if they have children, we will be putting together care packages for those children um, to be able to have something at home, have a better understanding of what's going on, and and you know give a little bit of comfort to those those kids and. Um, you know, I have several people in my family that have a military background, and I have um, special close loved ones that are in the military, and I can understand, you know, what those families go through, and if we can do anything like that to help local first responders, especially um, the Dallas Police Department, we'd be happy to do that. Every little bit helps, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, we just had a long conversation yesterday about families of first responders uh i don't think they're recognized enough of of what they take on uh is you know we always hear about first responders dealing with trauma on the front line but the family and even close friends can feel the ripple effect of of uh, what goes on i mean people watch the news 
you know, and uh, kids have to they they have to have the fears of when their first responder parent walks out the door that you know may not come home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about your. Uh, you got several programs. You said you had four programs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to. Uh, can you tell us about Bike Build? What that is? Yes, absolutely. Um, he hit right on one of our main four programs. Um, they mostly center around sports and education facilities, so building playgrounds, multi-sport courts, uh, STEM steam maker spaces, and uh, computer labs for other nonprofit organizations and their kids. The Bike Build initiative is very unique. Um, and the fact that we get to donate out bikes uh, for two to five-year-olds um, already built uh, with helmets. We take safety very seriously at Pro Players Foundation and uh, are able to give them to multiple different organizations, whether they be um, schools, um, nonprofits, or companies that work with nonprofit organizations. And they are all built by volunteers. They're all built by corporate organizations usually that sponsor these bike building events that are able to host them at their campuses. They're able to get their own families involved um, in building these bikes um, and a lot of times get to meet these kids. Um, Last year we hit a new record goal. We built almost uh, I think around 950 bikes for two to five-year-olds in the community, and we were able to give them out to organizations all over the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and you know we are, um, if anything, high achieving. So we are hoping to break that this year with at least a thousand bikes, um, and hope to be able to give those out to more people in the community. Was that the first program that kind of kicked off the build a bike or? Actually, it was. It's the newest program we have. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, the first bike build that we ever did. I think it was in 2017. Mm. Um, we had a an organization, um, corporate organization we worked with, uh, that wanted to do an in service day. Uh, with their volunteers and they have a lot of employees that are very hands-on lots of mechanics lots of people who would want to be able to do something that they can physically show that they've made an impact and a difference and the bike building program was sort of uh, made after that Um, our initial programs were around the sports facilities the the playgrounds the multi-sport courts um, things that kind of centered around that do you also continue that that original project and yes. the mission? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, currently, we've got five different construction programs um, or projects going on right now. We're building a, a pavilion at a Boys and Girls Club. Um, we are building a playground at um, Mi Escuelita, which is where Betsy um, was from, where, where I met her. Um, wonderful, wonderful human being. And then um, we are also uh, building a playground for Wesley Rankin, which is a... Uh, almost 100-year-old community center in West Dallas, um, which is absolutely um, needed in in sort of underserved community sometimes. Um, We're also um, in the mix of being able to do a two-year plan there, a multi-sport court plan. Um, You know, we've got a multitude of projects going on where we're trying to give uh, physical um, you know, fitness and, and outside safe play for a lot of kids. And, you know, I'm sure that you know, in your line of work, you kind of see this sometimes, but when a community has a playground, a brand new space for the kids and the families in that area to use, it really brings a sense of pride and ownership and and uh, a maybe a, a slight peace of mind to know that their kids 
in this programming at this nonprofit have a very safe area to be at and a new area um, that they can ultimately enjoy at the end of the day. Well, yeah, and it gives the kids hope too that mm-hmm. that the community is is a place they can have a better quality of life and then just have fun as a kid do normal things mm-hmm. and you know what kid doesn't like a bike to, to, to yeah. the, you know I mean you can't go wrong building bikes for kids absolutely we had we had two years ago we had a bike uh, that had a spider-man theme to it and had a spider-man cage in the front and I'd love I, that. I wanted I wanted to keep one you know yeah. I, I don't know if I would fit anymore but but we do our best <laughs> Joe still the, fits yeah I still fit on it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely what is Game Plan? Tell us about that program. Sure. Game Plan is our technology and education centered program. So we build um, multi, or sorry, we build STEM, STEAM makerspace um, areas, which um, STEAM is just STEM with the art component in it. So not leaving out the, the creative side um, of those careers. And uh, we outfit um, those centers along with computer labs or reading and learning type centers to nonprofit organizations to give those kids access to the type of technology that a lot of their school districts don't even have the funds or the access to. Um, You know, we're talking coding robots and iPads with graphic design um, apps on it and, um, you know, electronic circuits, things that, you know, normal... um, I would say STEM centers in the DFW area may have access to, but a lot of organizations and a lot of school districts don't have um, STEM centers. Uh, they're becoming a lot more popular, um, but the technology gap is still pretty pretty wide. And so we're trying to outfit that into nonprofit organizations without giving them more overhead, without you know making sure that they have money set aside to replenish every year. These are all independent play, long-lasting activities for the kids. It stimulates your mind. You've already yes. touched on the bike bill, which would be mm-hmm. a physical, you know, now the, now the mind, I like how you're touching on trying to improve every quality of their life with mm-hmm. through different program. Uh, tell us about uh, Instant Replay. Yes, um, Instant Replay uh, covers our sports facilities. So the playgrounds, the multi-sport courts um, that we're building. And we do a lot of these um projects that are sponsored by either other foundations or corporate organizations you know we are really if you will a professional middleman a project manager within the nonprofit space where we connect people who really want to do good um, with the nonprofit organizations that uh, really need the help and we're able to take away sort of the worry of how do we raise $75,000 to replace our 40 year old playground you know, a lot of that money should be going back into programming or expanding their programming and their access. You know, a nonprofit organization shouldn't have to worry about, um, you know, choosing between a safe area for their kids to play, to get physical activity, and whether or not they should expand the program to feed those kids at night. Um, so we really try to come in and, and fill that capital gap. Wow. <clears throat> Are you at your fourth one? Mm-hmm. Kids in need? Yes, this is our catch-all, sort of a dire need area, if you will think of it as a uh, angel tree gifting program, um, where if there is a a set of families in need um, and they're sort of in a dire circumstance, you know, we may be able to come in and give uh, material gifts 
um, and or um, be able to connect them with people who can give um, you know financially. Um, I think that this program has sort of evolved a lot over the last 15 years from just being able to give food to the community to um, really being able to give actual uh, material needs to the family unit as a whole. So um, the mother who needs assistance being able to get pots and pans because she doesn't have the money for them. Or um, we had an example last year where uh, a family of six children were all sharing one bed and they all they needed was another mattress. I mean, they really should have four other mattresses at least but you know we were able to just at least find somebody to sponsor to give the one um, so we always keep that in the back of our mind you know as a way to never turn away the kids that we're trying to help how rewarding is that for you oh incredibly mm-hmm. every day uh, I get to wake up and uh, I guess look in the mirror and go. You're 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 doing something for the kids in the community. You're doing something to to help people. I didn't really see myself in life doing anything other than trying to serve other people. Um, I think uh, servant leadership was something I really honed in on when I was in my schooling, uh, especially in college. Um, shout out to Barry University in Miami. They're wonderful at that programming. And, you know, I I don't think that I could really do anything else in life other than work to help serve other people and their lives. I understand my own blessings and my own privileges in life and the the things that I've been through. And if I could help bring a smile to at least one kid and one more family, then I think I've done my job okay that day. It seems like you're almost Santa Claus. (laughs) Every day, like <laughs> right. you get to be grown up Santa every day and, and actually give gifts to kids and, and not just fun stuff, but stuff that they actually need and it's going to help them out in life later on. So thank you very much for doing that for this community. I know it's uh, it's rewarding, but it's also very uh, appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, I'll take that if you don't mind. I'm going to put that at the bottom of my business cards now. I'm going to put <laughs> community Santa Claus you got it. right underneath. Hey. <laughs> You might. Yeah, I'm gonna actually title this uh, episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I had Angela and I got Sergeant Ship here. I want them to kind of Angela. You go ahead and talk about what you do and 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 what you do every Christmas time. Santa. Yep. Say so you're. We're segueing into Santa talk. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> um, I've been involved with the Dallas Police Department Santa Cops program for this is my 25th year and my final year by the way Um, I'm gonna pass it off to the next generation it's time but in 1984 the Dallas Police Department Santa Cops program um, was born basically out of a need for um, officers were identifying kids in the community that needed basics but they didn't have Christmas because of whatever financial burden was going on in their family or they had been victims of crime or a parent was in jail or a parent had been murdered so it it became kind of like um, officers identifying kids in the community that they would just run across on their everyday calls and realize that there was a need um, to help them and for them to enjoy a Christmas like everyone else in the world who celebrates Christmas. Um, So 
that began in 1984, and since then, um, starting in October, November, we definitely have a big job of of collecting toys, collecting money. It is a 501c3 now. Um, it has been for many years, but um, and we basically have officers in the community identify families that are in need. And every year we try to serve about 500 families and they come directly from an officer who's met them on a call or um, a detective who's worked a horrific crime scene or it, it can come from anywhere. We have social workers, we have teachers that give it, um, you know, nominations to us. And then we basically take the order we give every single child as many toys as we can, as much as um, we have in our inventory, basically, and we deliver them the Saturday before Christmas every year. So an officer personally delivers to their family, and um, we have hats, and we do the whole thing, and we have a big uh, North Pole warehouse that we work out of, which we're always looking for space to be donated for that, so maybe I'll get with you on that later. Um, <laughs> but it's... It's very rewarding. It's a short time. We do it for about two weeks every year, and then we shut down and start again, you know, next October when we're starting to ramp up again. But that's what Santa Cops is. It's been really fun. I'm, I'm happy to pass the torch on to the next generation, but um, it is also super rewarding. So. Just because she won't say it, Angela's pretty much your 40-hour-a-week cop. You know, she's never done much on this department other than uh no she's a she's been at the highest level of detectives she's always been very involved in police work in general so for her to take the time to do that even you said it was two weeks but if it starts in october that's like six weeks well, the hard my we, public the hard, school math at the, at the yeah, very least the hard work is two weeks but it does for planning stages of course right it's october right so mm-hmm. her portion is probably three to four months of two weeks um but no, she she puts in a lot of work, and and to see that you're not going to be there in the future is going to be a little bit weird for a lot of people. But I'm sure you've groomed some people that are ready to start taking over. So yes, we have the next generation up. And Sergeant Ship, it's your turn. Tell us what you do. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Very nice to meet you, Rebecca. Um, so our program is the Dallas Police Department Widows and Children Program. Um, it actually started out in the '60s. I wish I knew the story as to what prompted it, um, but a lot, of, a lot of history has kind of been lost along the way there. Um, I've been involved in the program for about 15 years myself. Um, the torch was just passed to me, as well as my two co-coordinators, uh, by Tommy Raley, who ran it forever, and he did a phenomenal job, but a lot like Angela's saying, it, it's a lot of work, a lot of prep time goes into it. Um, what our program does, it's very different than Santa Cops, except we do also get to kind of play Santa the week of Christmas. Um, we focus on specifically the widows and children of Dallas police officers. We are not just a line of duty program. So, for example, it's any officer who served, if they say retire and then pass much later in life, um, leave behind a widow or any children under 18. We do cut off the children at, at 18. Um Last year, we delivered gifts to 491 widows, as well as 41 children. Um, unfortunately, that those numbers kind of keep growing a little bit each year. Uh, but focusing on the children, we send wish lists out at the end of, well, kind of the same, like early fall. Um, sometimes we get wish lists back, sometimes we don't. We always know the age and the gender. We try to kind of learn what their interests are. And we spend a few days shopping. Um, which is a ton of fun. Um, and we, we just like Angela said with her program, we just 
as much as we can do. Um, this program is not necessarily need-based. It is really just a way for the department to reach out to these families, because Joe kind of touched on it briefly earlier at the beginning of your segment. Um, it takes a lot of the families to support our, us as officers to be able to do what we do. Um, and the families that we're meeting have lost a spouse. They have lost a parent. Um, and it's just our way to reach out and really thank them for allowing their their loved one to, to serve with us um, and to honor them um, and just to let them know that we we are here. We are still part of their blue family. Big yeah. stuff. Big stuff. They've got a, a, like she said, it's a constant growing. You know, that's, that's part of the problem is that it's constantly growing members that you have to take care of. Mm-hmm. But we have quite a few people on this department that are very philanthropic. They mm-hmm. like to give back a lot and mm-hmm. it's Again, you, you don't come across many police officers that punch 40 hours and they're like, oh, it's time to go home. So a lot mm-hmm. of these people are super busy with their job already, and then they continue to give mm-hmm. their time and their efforts outside of their normal work hours. Yeah, I think that's a, a really great point, and I think something that those who um, are on the force and then those who are in the nonprofit sector kind of overlap um, in a way because when we're out in the community – it kind of gives you a different lens after you start work in the nonprofit community. And I'm sure once you become a police officer, you sort of see the community differently and you, you start recognizing what, who's in need, what gaps are, are out there, um, who's falling through the cracks, um, who needs the help, um, you know, what has, has turned uh, a family or a community um, one way or the other. Um, and, you know, we, at the nonprofit side, try to um, always go back and see what we can do after we've visited a community or a nonprofit. You know, we look at the entire area and we go, okay, who else in this area needs the help? What other organizations are here um, that we can serve? Who else can we reach out to? You know, and, and what you speak about of after the quote unquote 40 hours, people are still out there and, and talking to families and trying to you know, understand their community a little bit more that they're serving and seeing what they can do to help. Um, you know, I think that takes very special minded people. And I, I do hope that that population of people continues to grow because there's definitely no shortage ever of people who are in need out there. No, people in need, are, that's never going to go away. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a listener out there. There's not anybody out there that doesn't have a soft spot for kids and helping helping the kids. Um, and what Angela and Sarge does and you and, and in, in ATO, we, we uh, have a confidential counseling program that we actually provide uh, play therapy and counseling for uh, the, the kids. And, and, you know, we see a lot of a need for that, especially – my work in the wellness unit now and because there's a lot it's not just the first responder carrying it it's it's everybody that they touch that that uh has to carry that weight too i want to talk about you mentioned you touched on it earlier uh june 16th you have a uh you have a clay shoot can you talk about that absolutely it's the sporting clays challenge uh, which is at the uh, dallas gun club um in lewisville texas and uh we I've, I've taken this uh, clay shoot over um, from uh, a committee that was extremely dedicated to helping kids in the community, um, sort of merged our efforts together. Um, and uh, this is our second year at being the beneficiary. And, 
you know, it, it really is uh, a serious tournament in, in one aspect. Um, the uh, participants who come and buy teams in the clay shoot um, are, are very serious about their placement and their scores and their trophies, which is, an, is a new thing for us because our golf tournament is quite the opposite. We, you know, the, the guys don't, don't really care about the scores out there as long as they're having fun. Um, and uh, all the proceeds from um, the Sporting Clays Challenge uh, will go back to the two Pro Players Foundation for us to help um, keep our programming alive, to help uh, keep uh, helping those kids in need and uh, keeping our lights on um, as a, a staff and organization um, that, that needs to keep going in order to help all those nonprofits. But it's a fantastic event. Um, the hero team that will be there, um, which excited to have at least two um, officers from the Dallas Police Department to be represented on that team. Um, and we are happy to recognize them. And uh, after they shoot in the, the tournament, um, once everything is safely put away, um, they'll be able to enjoy a, a wonderful after party in their honor. Sergeant Moreno, uh, Roy, shout out Roy. He's uh, he's actually hooking you up with some uh, some, some shooters for that. So wonderful. I look forward to seeing the picks. How many mm-hmm. teams do you actually have in the clay shoot? We have, so we run two courses, um, 13 stations per course. We start two teams per station. So uh, it's sold out 255 participants. Um, you know, we, we usually run about 51, 52 teams. And uh, we still have more room in case anybody would love to sign up. You can go to uh, ppf.ngo slash clays, C-L-A-Y-S, um, and find information on there to sign up uh, for a, a team um, or a sponsorship and come out. And um, we have a pavilion. It's all outdoors, and I know it's in June, but it's covered, and we've got um, lots of really cold beverages um, and, and of course, when everything is safely put away, uh, a nice cold beer. So that always helps. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when, when officers hear that, they may, they may have more sign up. Yeah. So, <laughs> always uh, happy to have them. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about that event. Mm-hmm. What other events you mentioned a golf tournament? When is that? Yes. Our golf tournament is October 2nd. Um, it's usually at uh, Timuron country club in South Lake. It's where it's always been, except for, for one year, for as many years as we've been doing it. Um, we have a lot of fun at that tournament, to say the least. Uh, with its name Fiesta on the Fairway, it it, came, it went from golf classic to Fiesta on the Fairway just because of the sheer amount of, of fun and partying that was happening on the course. Um, we have, what's very unique for ours is we have... Um, partners, restaurant and beverage partners that will be on the course and they serve almost like a taste of um, throughout the tournament. We have them on 12 to 14 of the holes. Um, so it, you know, by the end of it, when they turn in their scorecard and I see the scorecard and this is a shot of 80 or a 75 and I go, yeah, okay, great job. And kind of, you know, we, we draw for first place um, at that point. Um, but you know, it's really, really amazing, fun atmosphere. Um, you know, teams can have a, um, a former pro athlete play as a guest on their team. If they, they sign up with it, that information is also available on our website, uh, ppf.ngo and they can, um, go to our fundraising events, um, see Fiesta and all the fun pictures that are on there. (laughs) You've grown so much since this, this, uh, this organization started up to 
you, you've already talked about all these other programs that you have going and thriving and they're, they're directed at improving quality of lives at different angles for kids and communities. Um, what is next? What, what, is there anything else that you are working on and, and some projects? Well, we have talked about pushing and expanding the geographical bounds of what we do. Um, you know, our original contacts, you know, started within a very small portion of the Dallas-Fort Worth community. We continuously, as, you know, uh, builders, push the bounds of, of DFW. We continuously try to do that. Um, recently, uh, I would say in the last couple of years, we've taken a couple of projects that have been outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, and we're trying to expand those relationships and contacts, um, potentially maybe down in the Waco area, the Austin area, um, and, and sort of continuing to try to see if Pro Players Foundation um, can be more than just a region. Um, with that, it's also a growing of staff. So hopefully in the future, we can grow our staff a little bit more um, to be able to take on that, that need, um, which... I think a lot of organizations understand is sort of an interesting cycle of the circle of you want to expand, but you need more funding. And that means you have to have more staff, but you have to get more funding to pay for that staff. And you want to be able to expand, but you need that staff to do it. And so it's, it's just about picking the, the right moment to say, we're just going to do it. And we're going to serve more kids, uh, more people in the community. Um, and, you know, when the time is right, we'll we'll start pushing the bounds. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so admirable what this organization does. Uh, I've been reading a lot about, about, I've been cyber stalking now uh, for quite a while. (laughs) We appreciate the clicks. Yeah. Well, I hope you get more clicks after today Mm -hmm. and more people signing up and more support because you are growing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's in, you know, uh, I may be putting my application in uh, and sending my resume in in uh, a couple of years <laughs> to get out of here. I'll take you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. Um, now, can you tell the listener just why? I know you've mentioned it. Can you, I just want the listener to know exactly where can they find your organization at? What's the website? Yes, it is ppf.ngo. And that is actually a very special uh, domain just for nonprofit and non-governmental um, organizations. Um, so you know we are certified um, as a, a 501c3 charity. Um, and we made it short because Pro Players Foundation is a mouthful. Um, you should just see the end of my email address. It's, it's quite long. So ppf.ngo, um, you'll, you'll find all the information about us. Um, and uh, we're on all social media platforms as well. Rebecca, I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Um, thank you for coming here to Dallas. Um, and thank you for for doing this mission. I mean, gosh, you, you've done it for a long time and you're expanding it. And I can't wait to work more with this group and you and and, and see where it goes and how we can work together. Uh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Kent. Thank you, Angela. And thanks, Sarge. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to meet all the amazing people here at this table. And hopefully we can do more together in the future.